You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... Oh yes, baby! Welcome to the Champions. You spend dropping your comments and questions. In the chat to make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we try to somehow review the action from today's World Cup final between Argentina and France. The 2022 World Cup is now in the history books and in the house today. We got Lucho Garcia over in Spain. We got Michael Hood in Austin, Texas. And no idea where you are, Heath Pierce. You're in the show. We'll have also Jonathan Johnson and James Ben jump in with us. Nigel Rio Coker is not with us. He's out partying for some reason. <laughs> but it is the World Cup final. Just a reminder to everybody out there from In Soccer We Trust. If you're an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, make sure you check out another great pod in the CBS Sports Podcast family. That is, of course, In Soccer We Trust. Heath is two former U.S. men's national team teammate, uh, Jimmy Conrad, Charlie Davies. They cover every angle of the American game with a perspective that only they can offer. So download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere you will find this one. Let's get into the action. Michael LaHood, I'm coming to you first because I have no wow. work. The House of Champions has the champion, and that champion is Argentina. Good luck trying to describe how this game played out. <laughs> oh, man. I can describe it in the form of beverages. I start off with water. I graduated the tea and I reached into the fridge for a beer, but then thought whiskey would have been the final punch. I will have whiskey after this show because I cannot even fathom how the hell we got here. What a World Cup final. Some might say the greatest ever. I could say that. I could say that, Mike. I mean, I'm still, I was talking to our producer there and I was shaking. Just before the show, I was still shaking. My hands were were still uh, sweating a little bit because it's definitely one of the best games I've ever seen. That drama, that roller coaster of emotions has uh, been uh, amazing and and ended up uh, the way that, uh, that I wanted and that I suffer. And finally, we can see Lionel Messi lifting the World Cup trophy. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's sort of everything came together. All the storylines happened. Everything that you wanted. The world wanted Messi to get this trophy, but the world wanted Mbappe to do well. They wanted a battle for the golden boot race. Now the golden ball. We'll see how that plays out. But the same thing for me 
uh, with all this. I tweeted right at the start of the penalties that I'm 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 nervous and and I don't even care. And then I started <laughs> to think about it and I said, well, I do care. And then I tweeted. I ended up tweeting, I'm nervous and this means nothing to me. So I can't imagine what it was like to, for for people that it meant something to. But just to see the drama go back and forth. You know, we talk about finals so often sort of being underwhelming because both teams play a little caged up. They play a little defensive. France, in this case, I think for first 60 minutes, looked very nervous and, and almost afraid to make mistakes, which we saw clearly. But once it all opened up and it was crazy, it's, one of the, it's probably the best sporting event that I've ever uh, experienced in my lifetime. Yeah, we got a few comments coming in already. D-Mac says, this shit is bananas. We agree with you, D-Mac. Thanks for joining us as well. What a crazy game, says Alfonso Omar. Wow. Going to be some scenes in Argentina tonight. You better believe it. Simply the greatest game ever witnessed. Um, let's talk about that. I mean, this is probably the best final. You guys have already mentioned it already. Best final, maybe even the best game we have ever witnessed. This is uh, a game that had absolutely everything. And HP just mentioned right there, you're waiting for him happy to somehow do something in this game we're talking about the superstars Lionel Messi of course getting a couple of goals in this game we thought he had won it then Mbappe says no 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 not on my show and then all of a sudden we go to penalty kicks and this was pretty much the way this shoot this final should have ended and penalty kicks it seems an unfair way Michael for a game like this to end but there was no way these guys could have still been playing it would have been 10-10 if they'd have played for another two hours this game had pretty much everything you could have asked for well, this game had more drama than Don Giovanni, which is one of my favorite operas, just to put it out there. But when I look at how this game played out, the first 70 minutes, really the first 65 minutes, it was one-way traffic, all Argentina. And it was down to the fact that Argentina wanted it more. There was a belief. There was a bite. There was an intensity about which they played the game. Defense, the way they defended, the way they broke out on the counterattack. And Lionel Messi was always going to get the headlines for this. But in those 70 minutes, had the scoreline stayed the same, the play of Angel Di Maria. Man, that guy is an assassin. And I thought when he left the field, that is when the game changed. Yes, France made the subs, but the play of Angel Di Maria, the play of, I think, uh, uh, McAllister, almost lost my train of thought with him. The, <laughs> those two players, they were so dynamic. They took the focal point off of Messi. Yes, Messi hits the penalty kick, but I loved the fact that those two players really stepped up and then the rest of the team, as soon as France built momentum, the rest of the team was always playing to take it to penalty kicks. And in the end, they had the better goalkeeper. In penalty kicks, if you have the better goalkeeper, you will win. And they did that today. Yeah, definitely you will have the advantage. But I think that France uh, gave away too many minutes. I mean, that, that, those first 45 minutes where you have that kind of uh, talent on the game, you need to use it. And I think they thought, okay, if we can control it at the end, Mbappé is going to show up. But when they realized maybe they were almost, almost already too late because uh, um, Argentina went for it from the first minute. That yes. intensity, that uh, the, uh, dynamism up front, every single time that they have uh, were on the ball – you could see there were something go was going to happen. Uh, Mbappé didn't touch a ball. Then Bella, you could see what happened. It was uh, replaced just before halftime. So you know that some players were not involved. Some players were not mentally strong enough to face this uh, this game. And I think that uh, the champs uh, did a good job after in the second half. He brought a lot more intensity when he realized that Argentina would start getting uh, running out of legs and and players who can be players on the run. They are faster. They are strong. And you could see the uh, the France after two mistakes, in my opinion, from Argentina, 
they went for it. They went for winning the game. They went for, listen, we can have the chance. And of course, when you have a player like Mbappe, I mean, that second goal, that bullet is just out of this world. I mean, not many players uh, in the history of football can manage to have the composure inside the box, the understanding, the awareness and the ability to to score that goal in that moment. So it was just a, a, magnificent, a magnificent, magnificent effort. And for me, once again, I think the Argentina deserve a little bit more in the penalties, but it could have mm-hmm. gone uh, to the other way. I will say that when it got to penalties, that uh, it was the first time in probably my entire adult life that I said, I want to replay. Play the replay. <laughs> Even I'm sitting with my father-in-law. He's like, you know, they should do this four days from now. Do it again. Like, we, can't, we cannot finish a World Cup at this level without one of them coming out on top in either regular or, or, or extra time. But it, it, it played out the way that, that it had happened. And I agree with Lucho's perspective there. When, when France came back into it, I, I started to think, wow, most of these teams that have an off day, Morocco, even the U.S., they're out. They don't have the ability to flip the switch on. After 60 minutes like that, most teams that have played like that in this World Cup were done. You can't just turn it on. But somehow they were able to turn it on, get themselves back into it. And I go, man, there might be something to this. But uh, it ultimately ended up coming down to penalties. And, and, and I, so I agree with Lucho there that those wasted minutes could have been something different. The, the, that, that nervousness. I do agree also that, that making those substitutions, when you look at the names swapping in and out, I was a little bit shocked. But they ended up playing a huge role. And had this gone the other way in the end, then Deschamps would have been the hero in this one. But ultimately, Argentina stepped up. They were able to stay composed after getting punched back over and over again, usually going 2-0 two two down to 2-2. Two two. It's hard to get yourself going, and they were able to do that. So just incredible. Yeah, it's like when I watch a UFC fight and you just watch the most epic fight and you're like, I, I just, I don't want this to end. And then you get to do it again when it's like called a tie. So you get to do it all over again. And this was Mbappe and Messi. Of course, you can watch them on Paramount Plus um, anytime we cover the Champions League, also on CBS Sports. I mean, outstanding players um, stepping up on the, the world's biggest stage when it matters. Let's break down the first half a little bit uh, in detail. You know, Messi got the goal 23 minutes into the game, scoring from the spot, taking him to 12 World Cup goals, bringing him level to Pele. Uh, Maria win, uh, won the penalty kick and, and a great inclusion, of course, having Di Maria in the starting 11. We were all questioning it in the pregame show. A lot of people were talking about Di Maria as a bit of an interesting decision. Really silly from Dembele to make that challenge. It's almost as embarrassing to see him make that challenge. Uh, Lionel Messi became the first player to score in the round of 16 quarterfinal, semifinal and final in a World Cup, a single edition of a World Cup with that goal right there. And then Di Maria got his goal on the 36-minute mark, the assist from McAllister. This was probably one of the best World Cup goals I think I've ever seen. Team goals, the build-up play, the finish, the execution, and it was an outstanding performance, Michael, in the first 45 minutes from Argentina. They dominated. France did not have a single shot. Not a shot at all. Never mind on target. Not a shot in that first 45 minutes. So up to the halftime point, we thought, job well done. Scaloni's done amazing. His team were well up for it. In midfield, they were terrific, and they were taking their chances. I think it's down to the defensive play in midfield. They crowded out the French midfield, and it's the back-pressing of attacking players. You saw Lionel Messi getting in his own box to make tackles. When have you seen that before? Oh, yeah, this World Cup because he wanted it more. This team wanted it more. I think they got tired because of how much energy they were putting into this match. They were all over the field. I told you to keep an eye on Alexis McAllister before this game in the pregame show. His defensive work alongside Rodrigo DePaul, their ability to shift defensively, they went back in a a 4-4-2, but it was their ability to shift defensively over to the right-hand side to crowd out numbers, to create overloads, box out Kylian Mbappe, 
blocks out, or box out entry passes in the likes of Mbappe, Giroud, frustrated France. France couldn't connect one or two passes to get out of their own half. As soon as they won the ball, they exposed how expansive the French team plays. Teo Hernandez likes to push really high. One diagonal pass frees up Di Maria, and it creates a 1v1 situation to isolate Jules Koundé. We've been saying it at this World Cup. Jules Koundé is not an outside back. He is a center back. He has played outside back at different levels. I think for this French team, he got exposed today going up against a true winger who was lights out. And as the game wore on, I credit Didier Deschamps with making the subs. That takes a lot of B-A-L-L-S, balls in English, to make those sort of decisions. Thanks for spelling that out. Thank you, man. I got Well, we have different. that word again? Guts, 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 you know, it's a family show. So I got to say it, but it takes a lot of guts to make that sort of decision. Take out your leading goal scorer of your national team, second leading goal scorer on the team, taking out Dembele, who was woeful, should have been taken out much earlier and putting in younger players. I thought the difference for France and how they got back in the game, Komen was a big addition, was they got tighter. In the first half, they were letting Argentina dictate too much play. They were letting them have too much time. It looked like a training match, stroll in the park for the Argentines. As soon as France started getting physical, the second goal proved it. Get tight, body Lionel Messi. Get a body on him. It takes away this mystique about Argentina, and Argentina yeah, good, were rattled. Good luck with that. Not until yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but to, to, to that point, I think it's, it's totally true. I mean, you cannot have the best player in the history of football free, running around in the middle of the park, having the space to turn. Every single time Lionel Messi had the chance of receiving the ball, turning around and see and find uh, Di Maria in three occasions. Another one, uh, Julian Alvarez, that once again, it was, uh, it was a nightmare for the defense. I mean, having a player who is running behind you every single time, it's, 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 it must be crazy because this kid has been running. I mean, I... I, I when when we saw them being replaced, I mean, he couldn't run for one more, more meter. It was amazing. Those 45 minutes, uh, uh, putting on uh, under pressure, uh, the two centre-backs, putting under pressure, the right-backs, uh, tracking back, going back to to, to make um, uh, falls in the middle of the park, not allowing this uh, French um, side to try to, to build. And they knew very well that the, the important players were Griezmann. He's been the key player for this uh, French team. He didn't receive one single ball free. McAllister yeah. was on him. Enzo was on him. Every single time the, the ball was going near him, they, he was also always with a, with a man on him. And that's something that they did very well, uh, the Argentinian team, not allowing the key player to turn around and build up. Of course, when you got Mbappé, you know that he can do it on his own. But it was just amazing. And once again, it was about the intensity, the, the, the desire. They wanted yeah. more. That's yeah. the, 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 the best word. They wanted more. French was expecting, let's see how we do it. Let's see how we, if, if we can do something. But uh, Argentina, from the first minute, they wanted more. And on top of that, uh, on top of wanting it more, I think it was just a, another tactical masterclass, at least for the first 60 minutes, where not only did they deny Griezmann any ability, he was turning the ball over regularly, looked like he was out of the game. Um then you had um, Rabiot struggling to find the ball and play the play through the midfield as well, which he's been one of the best in this uh, World Cup at. He's been better than I've ever seen him at the club level. And then once the ball got to Mbappe, there was three, four players around him every single time, just not allowing him, forcing him to slow down, allow Argentina to get set up, get into good positions. And then it, at that moment, they couldn't figure out how to play quickly through it. When Messi got the ball, he knew when to speed the game up, slow it down. When Mbappe got the ball, no one could figure out how to be on the same page as him to be able to break those lines of press. And it was just a really impressive one. Obviously, there's another 100 minutes that went into, on, into the game uh, that, that dictated in, in a different way. But when I just watched those first 60 minutes, it was just so brilliant. 
every tactical uh, area of the field from Argentina and the fight and the desire. And it's the first time that I can remember Argentina having a team where they just accepted, this is our star and everybody else is going to put their egos aside. There's always been maybe one more ego in Great the Argentina point. squad, a second ego or a third ego where, you know, just like France, where you have Giroud walking back, you have Mbappe walking back, you have Dembele who struggled in the semis and the finals walking back. And you can't have three players like that on the field where they're not being fully effective and think that you're going to be able to get out with the result. For Argentina, they were all on the same page for the first time in a long time, and you could see them get better and better every single match in this tournament, knowing what it was going to take and to come out on top. It, doesn't, it, it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Heath, right there. When you talk about the team buying into whatever Scaloni was selling, you saw the celebrations there. We're actually trying to get Nigel involved in the show some way because he's uh, smoking cigars somewhere on South Beach right now, <laughs> apparently too busy for us. But um, I mean, listen, it's an absolutely fantastic point right there because Argentina played for one another. They played for Messi. They played for Scaloni. The, the determination, the appetite in that midfield area, there was nowhere for France to go. Let's bring in uh, Jonathan Johnson, um, of course, to the House of Champions. JJ... It's great to see you and it's very disappointing from France. We're talking about that first 45 minutes performance and actually you could probably stretch out to the first 80 minute performance from France today. They just kind of got it all wrong and in the first uh, 45 minutes in particular, not even a single shot on target from them and uh, Argentina outclassed them up until they got their goal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think France can feel major regrets with, uh, you know, the way that they performed for the majority of that first 80 minutes. I mean, I look, I look at some of the things that happened, you know, some of the uncharacteristic, I mean, Didier Deschamps making two substitutions before halftime, that tells me that there were some major doubts over, over certain players before the game. And yeah, yeah, you know, we can point out, you know, that France were going through some illnesses and blah, blah, before the match, you know, it did seem the fact that he was willing to take Giroud off before halftime suggests that perhaps that knock to the knee was more of a concern that, than, than we were allowed to believe. But, you know, you also just cannot, uh, you know, really defend what some of the, the players put out on the pitch, certainly in that first half. You know, it was just, it, it was completely unrecognizable from the France team that we'd seen for the majority of the World Cup. Uh, you know, I think, you know, to allow Di Maria that much space uh, as Kunde did was, you know, criminal. Teo Hernandez, everybody has known that he'd be, you know, France's weak point for, for the majority of this tournament. They've tried to get him at him as often as possible. And we saw why uh, today. Yet, for France to be able to dig deep and for, you know, the two guys who were thrown on, you know, it, it looked like, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a bit of madness from Deschamps at the time when he put uh, Turam yeah. and put Randall Kolomouani on. But, you know, Kolomouani wins the penalty. Turam sets up Mbappe. That sends the game to extra time. Kolomouani extremely unlucky late on. A fantastic save from Aston Villa's Emiliano Martinez to keep him out. Uh, you know, this game could have turned in so many different places. You know, the fact that I think France managed to make it go all the way to penalties is an achievement in itself. It shouldn't take away from, uh, you know, what I think was a major no-show for the majority of the game. They will yeah. have to address that. I think part of that is also linked to the fact that France getting to the final, considering the way that they prepared for the tournament, everything that happened, probably felt like the achievement. So... You know, perhaps we saw some of that in the in the, in the performance, but uh, you know, I think a lot of players won back some points that they were in the process of losing at the beginning of that game with what happened in the final ten minutes and then in extra time. 
Yeah, JJ, don't steal my thunder here, all right? We're talking about the first half. We'll get to the second half in just a minute here. Can you talk about Di Maria's performance? In the pregame show, we were talking about Di Maria's inclusion and thinking, what the F is going on here? Di Maria thrown in, certainly offensive-minded. You obviously cover him intensely. Di Maria stepped up big time. I want to get everybody's opinion. We'll start with JJ on this one here, on Di Maria individually. For me, as far as I'm concerned, he was a man of the match today. I thought he was outstanding. Yep, Di Maria was sensational. You know, it was vintage Di Maria. And I've seen a lot of really good Di Maria performances over the years for PSG. Haven't been able to see the same level of him at Juve since he moved. But, uh, you know, he does still have, uh, you know, that class. And he now has the international recognition success that his talent has deserved because it's not all just about Messi. Yes, the overriding narrative is Messi, but there's some other fantastic players in that team who have also deserved this success. And Di Maria, you know, is absolutely one of those at the top of that list. You know, I think Scaloni played this brilliantly uh, tactically in in putting Di Maria on, keeping him on for the amount of time that he did because that way he was going to get that absolute maximum out of Di Maria and then be able to bring him off. I think... If he'd had an inkling that it might go to penalties, he might have wanted to try and keep him on. But there's there's no way that Di Maria can last 90 minutes these days. But yeah. in, for what we saw, particularly in that first half, it was just sensational. It was like rolling back the years and seeing him in that performance when PSG destroyed Barcelona in the first leg in the Champions League or when he was absolutely brilliant as Real Madrid won uh, La Decima. It's, you know, it was absolute vintage uh, Di Maria. And, you know, I can't praise him highly enough for that performance. Uh, Heath... Ian, you both were outside backs, and you'll get this, and I think anyone who has played or watched enough football will get this. You watch your wingers. As wingers, you are told to go with your outside back, to test them, test them for pace, test them 1v1, defending. And when you get that edge, when you beat him the first time, you know you've won. You know you can get after him. And I love the persistence. I love the relentless nature that Argentina, Di Maria, when he started this World Cup, he was playing on the right-hand side. In the lead-up to this FIFA World Cup tournament, he had been playing on the right-hand side, inverted right winger to come in on his left. I thought Scaloni identified the matchup superbly to take away the defensive responsibility from Di Maria to not play him on the right-hand side because Di Maria would have had to come back and track and help on Mbappe. DePaul was the right man for that. DePaul could play box-to-box, but really his defensive presence on the right gave balance and freedom to for Di Maria to operate higher up the field and cheat a little bit in transition for Argentina on the left. And once he beat Koundé the first time, France did not adapt enough to double team and and really the the laziness and the mentality of Usman Dembele, he exposed that. He used that to his credit, to Argentina's favor. And I agree with you. And he was my man of the match if that game had stayed 2 0. Yeah, definitely. We all agreed that he was the man of the match of this game because of his. Um, he was very sharp. I was surprised about that. When you don't play a couple of games, right. you look like. Maybe, and you're playing against players that they are strong and very fast. Kunde is a very strong and very quick player. And, and he turned around him a couple of times, like uh, like if he was uh, 25. And I'm really, really surprised um, that he can handle this situation so freely. I mean, he was wide open, just waiting for the chance. And to be honest, we talked about a little bit in the beginning that um, the game changed when he were, uh, was uh, replaced. I was... I, I kind of would like to see him a little bit more because I knew the French will go forward, will open a little bit, and he will have more chances. It's true that maybe he wasn't uh, working or running as much as possible, but he was the the key player at that moment. And when you have so much confidence, 
I, I understand this. Scaloni wanted to close down a little bit that uh, that left side, try bring bringing a, a, another left back um, doing as a, a, his job. That after you could see that when they were it was needed to go forward and make the cross and do more passing. Acuna is not the player. He's a player that from the back can defend well and can go forward maybe two, three times. But if you ask him to build up, you ask him to link with the other, it's not Di Maria at all. So I think that he could have been on the game maybe for another 10 minutes, I will give it. I think it was a place on the 65, 65 minutes or something like that. I will give it another 10 minutes, allowing him to maybe be more... Because when he's there... You know the front is gonna have is gonna need to have an eye on him. So I will, I like have kept it a, a little bit more, but um, definitely uh, outstanding performance in all the way. And that goal on the build up, it was uh, in that counter attack with uh, Messi, Enzo, and finishing with him, it was just fantastic. Yeah, that's well said. And and you know one one of the things that I wanted to bring just kind of shift the conversation a little bit off of off of Di Maria was just the coaching staff, right? We talk a lot about Scaloni, but if you look below that, you have Imar, you have uh, Ayala, you have Walter Samuel. It's an entire staff of high-achieving footballers, and there's something unique to this to me. And obviously, we see footballers as, as, as head coaches and whatever, but to put a staff together with multiple assistants, I'm curious what everybody thinks about that because it was going to come down to, and they've got, they've got long-term contracts, but it was going to come down to you know, being able to, to execute in a moment like this. And we talk about Di Maria as an example of uh, a staff of, uh, of guys who've been there before, who've played at the highest level, who've, who've executed, who've failed at the highest level, who've succeeded at the highest level. To come together, one, to be able to work together with that many egos is really difficult as a coaching staff. But two, to be able to look and say, we're going to go with, with uh, Di Maria in the final in our starting lineup. It, you know, when we all saw that, we were probably all a little bit shocked based on Di Maria's form at the club level, what we know that he's capable of but hasn't necessarily achieved since leaving uh, PSG. And I'm, I'm just, you know, curious to throw it back to this group. I don't know where to start on, on just what that means for this coaching staff and if there is something dynamic about this group that they put together in terms of managers and assistants. JJ, I'll let you go. I mean, I think, um, you know, when you're putting together a coaching staff, it's certainly at international level, it's important to have a number of people who have really experienced, uh, you know, the game at that level, uh, you know, and have that emotion, uh, you know, for for representing their country. Obviously, you need people who are switched on tactically, uh, you know, excellent in terms of motivation and, and sort of the technical preparation side of things. But you also need people who bleed, uh, you know, for, for the country's shirt. And I think, you know, Scaloni, I mean, we, we don't remember Scaloni, with all due respect to him, we don't remember him as a player as being one of Argentina's sort of leading lights. I mean, we all recognize that he was an international, but he sort of wasn't like, you know, sort of of the caliber of like, I don't know, players like uh, Crespo, Zanetti, those kind of guys. But, uh, you know, he obviously has been around the international setup so much that he has learned so much during his playing career that he's now taken into that coaching career. Uh, and I think part of that, uh, you know, will also be reflected in the way that he creates, uh, you know, the, the, the coaching staff as well. And I'll be interested to know if he tries to fast track some of the players who are quite close to retirement now into his playing, into his coaching staff, assuming that he stays on for sort of at least the next four year cycle. Lucho, let's touch upon uh, Kylian Mbappe's performance in that second half. He scored 80 minutes into the game, his sixth World Cup goal there. Um, obviously trying to chase Messi when it comes to the golden boot. He managed to score, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, 97 seconds, something close to that, <laughs> later on <laughs> to make it 2-2. And, and one of the most surprising comebacks in World Cup history. I mean, this was a phenomenal finish to make it 2-2. And um, then making the game go to extra time. It was an amazing comeback. And, and really, they needed... Kylian Mbappe to step up here. The France substitutions made a difference. And I think that's obviously a credit to, 
Didier Deschamps in the job that he did do in the second half and also in the first half, making changes in the first 45 minutes, never easy. But in the second half, Kingsley Coman coming on, Kamavinga coming on, in my opinion, really changed the game for them. And Kylian Mbappe needed to step up and he did in a big way. Yeah, definitely a big way. And uh, yeah, I'm just watching right now. They're giving him the, the golden boot at the moment. And uh, definitely they need him. And it's true that uh, on, on, on this day, I think Deshaun, I understand that Deshaun decided to go with Mbappé on one side and, and the regular players. But I think that he he should have think about the intensity of the Argentinian uh, team. That's why he quickly reacted and brought um, players with more pace and more uh, um, aggressiveness up front and then the game kind of changed. But definitely it doesn't matter if you um, kind of uh, balance or you play toe-to-toe on aggressiveness-wise um, against Argentina. You need something else and that's Mbappé. That moment when he got that ball and go to the penalty spot to score the third one, listen, that's something. It's a, such a young talent. You are. You know that if you score that goal, if you don't score that goal, you are out of the World Cup, and he's on you. And maybe in the future, you never know what is going to happen in the career, the mentality of the players. But that personality is just outstanding. That goal I mentioned before, that second goal is is, is from out of this world. It's something that uh, that a player like like uh, like Mbappe. He, you could see that it was a chance of controlling the ball. And the moment that I saw the ball coming in, it was, yes, control it with the chest, control it forward to the, to the keeper and then score. I was thinking all that in my head. I would do that. And suddenly he waits the ball to come down and smash it. <laughs> and and, and the, the contact with the ball is just perfect, you know? Because at the end, that's the way you think. I mean, what is what would you do? Yeah, but Lucho, Lucho, it takes a lot of balls from, the, from that I'm distance crazy, in the style that he had crazy, to take balls, crazy. right? Much more because you are you are alone. I mean, there's no one around you. You go plenty of time. The keeper is on the and he knows that the keeper is on the line of goal, so he knows that he's got time. But is that the confidence? Is that the, 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 the what I'm talking about is is that personality that he's got that he knows that I'm I'm Mbappe and from here I've done it before. I'm gonna put the ball in. I'm gonna put it in, and that's what he does. And that's uh, a world class player. And that's why probably one of the next. And Messi's or Cristiano's or this kind of player, we are uh, we are watching right now the replacements of the Messi and Ronaldo uh, that we've seen for 15 years. Yeah, when I look, and I think you hit on some great points, Lucho. When I look at Mbappe and what the subs brought in, it was more dynamic. Was Giroud in there with Dembélé in there? It was static. It was unlike the France team and unlike how Mbappe loves to play and how he thrives. On some of the goals, the interchange and dynamic movement between the front three, Colomorani coming in, you see him do it in the Bundesliga. You see him do it with Frankfurt. He's a player that does not stay static. There are times where he would come in underneath Marcus Turam. There are times where Mbappe would play as the striker, and that created more dynamic movement, and that really troubled Argentina. And JJ, question for you with your time here on the show. Mbappe, Messi, Neymar. Now the World Cup's over. What does this do? for PSG's locker room? <laughs> I mean, I, it, it seems a shame to sort of boil it all down to, to, to the PSG angle, but I, mean, I guess they do have to go back and face reality uh, now, or, well, Messi won't until after Christmas next, now. Next week. They, <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, it's... Um, okay, JJ, let me ask you a better question. Alvarez and Holland <laughs> in the locker room, one of them has a World Cup trophy mm. next to their locker, one of them does one of that locker room. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, Holland's an ice man, so uh, you'll be able to keep his cool. Now, in terms of the PSG dynamic, I think, honestly, the tournament probably worked out the best way possible for PSG, with all due respect to Neymar. I think Neymar being in that situation comes across one of Messi or Mbappe probably would have created a bit more trouble, a bit more tension, uh, you know, than uh, Messi and Mbappe coming up against each other. Sure, Mbappe is going to be disappointed. 
But can he really be that disappointed with himself? He's top scored at this tournament, gave it absolutely everything in the final. You know, and the fact that he didn't score in the two games in the in the lead up to that, you know, doesn't really change anything. France still got to the final despite it. So, uh, you know, the fact that he's gone to two World Cup finals already, uh, you know, he scored a hat trick in one of them, still hasn't come out a winner. I think he can be satisfied. And I think we can all agree, and that would include, uh, you know, Mbappe, that would include Neymar as well, that Messi, for everything that he's done in his career, has merited, uh, you know, this success. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone can can hold it against him. You know, I certainly nobody sort of from the, the French point of view can can begrudge him that, you know, France at the end of the day were fortunate, but, you know, also showed a lot of balls, uh, you know, to manage to take it as far as they did. But to say that Argentina didn't deserve it on the day would also be, you know, quite false. All right, we're not done with the final. We're going to talk more about the final when we come back. This game deserves it, so we're not moving on from it just yet, but we are going to take a quick break. And also, after the final, we'll discuss the awards that have just gone on. We'll also discuss uh, the third-place match that apparently no one was paying attention to, including me, and it was an absolute cracker. Um, But stick around. More to come from us here on House of Champions. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, the Soccer's World Eyes are focused on Qatar for the biggest event of the global stage. Stay up to date with every story and every heart-pounding moment with the Golazzo Starting 11 newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis from everything you need to know in the world of soccer. Sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Galazzo. Once again, it's the Galazzo Starting 11 newsletter. You can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash Galazzo. Everybody, welcome back to House of champions uh that game was simply sensational so we're gonna go back to this one i just don't think we can move on right here even though i feel like we probably should i just i get a feeling that we're still waiting for this trophy to be hoisted before we can move on from it let's touch upon the penalty kick shootout here um jj i'll start with you obviously emmy martinez played a big role in this one here he's won every single penalty shootout that he's featured in for argentina the 2021 copa america semi-final the 2022 world cup quarterfinal and also the world cup uh, final here against france today um but it wasn't just his uh, penalty kick saves he also made a magnificent save from colo muani who probably should have won the game for france in the closing stages of extra time um when you need your goalkeeper to step up and produce emmy martinez did yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope he's, uh, you know, going to keep that record from penalty shootouts in the future with Villa as well. But uh, he's, uh, I mean, honestly, I would rank that save uh, against Kolo Moani 
above the the penalty save, uh, yep. you know, from from Coman. I, I I think genuinely that is the moment where France probably lost this World Cup final. Uh, you know, to to go through clean through with with seconds remaining and then be denied like that. It was it was a phenomenal save. Uh, you know, I think Martinez might have asked himself, uh, you know, if he could have done better with Mbappe's second. That's not to take anything away from the finish, uh, you know, but I think he'll probably be disappointed with that. And I think he came close to getting a touch on the penalty as well for the first. But, you know, Emi Martinez is, you know, he's a colourful guy. He adds a lot, uh, you know, to international football. I mean, he's it's quite a heartwarming tale, really, to see how he's kind of exploded on the international stage so late in his career because, you know, it took him the best part of, you know, 30 years to finally get the recognition that he deserved to start getting first team football. Uh, you know, and I know people are making a lot about sort of, you know, his celebrations and how he can sometimes seem to be a little sort of like meat headed in the way that he's behaving, but it's kind of part of his, his character. You know, he brings just so love much that. to the game. I love it. I, 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 don't, love I don't begrudge him that. And that, you know, I think, uh, you know, he he contributed massively to to this Argentina success, not just in the obvious way from the penalty spot, but with that save from Kodomani, it's just just phenomenal. And I, you know, I'm lucky enough to have him as uh, as Villa's goalkeeper as well. Not for long. Yeah, <laughs> let me let, let me add something to what Jane's point, and I think it and he's totally spot on. I mean, French lost the uh, the tournament in in that safe, and I'm gonna recall to that final that we had, and I know that I've, I've talked a lot about the 2005 final, mm. but it reminds me so much. It was a 3-3, and in the extra time, there is a chance with Shevchenko yeah. that mm. and I don't know how the uh, Jesse do they saved it. And that moment, you could see that that the whole team of Milan knew that they were gone. There were no chance that they will have uh, uh, get that, that trophy. And today, I kind of saw that in the faces of French because there was that chance that you know that you can go uh, and, and get that trophy. And suddenly, they ask this mess. You're gone because the mentality is very important when you arrive in front of the, of the uh, penalty spot and you know that you have to score the first one after missing uh, the, the last chance of the game. Uh, is 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 gone, and I, I think that that's why um, I think it's a fantastic uh, uh, talk. What you said, uh, JJ. HP, you've also been involved in a lot of penalty kick shootouts. I mean, it's just a, such an unfortunate way to lose, but it's such a great way. If you win a penalty kick shootout in the fashion that they did do, I mean, Argentina were ruthless when it came to penalty spot kicks. And um, I guess when you look at the youngsters, Kingsley Coman and Chouameni, who, had, who was phenomenal for France throughout this competition, it's really unfortunate. Big moments, you require a lot of nerves to step up and take your penalty kick and put it in the back of the net. But unfortunately, the youngsters missed in this one and Argentina prevailed. Yeah, and I thought Coman would, would be able to convert considering he had more legs than others. You know, we're watching these players get to these penalty shootouts now after playing more than two hours of a match, these long stoppage times, you know, and then you're going into extra time and then to a penalty shootout. And this is where I go back to Martinez as, as, as a goalkeeper. There's something about that energy that you believe when, he, when you have that type of energy. Yes, it is a little bit meat-heady and he's pounding his chest and he's, you know, pumping up the fans and that can backfire at any time, but he's clearly riding on this this wave of one skill and two, this belief that he can make the saves. And so once he makes that first one, that energy comes out into the team and they know they've got somebody that if they can do their job, he's going to convert for them. And it just means yeah. so much. And obviously that intimidation and throwing the ball away, doing all those little antics, when you're on the receiving end, yes, you're going to talk about it in the press. Yes, you're going to call it ugly. You're going to call it unsportsmanlike. You're going to call it whatever you want. But when you're that player stepping up, and I can't even imagine what it's like to step up in a moment like that, to have to convert against a player that's taunting you and playing these types of games and you're down a goal in these types of moments, it's a lot to take on. And he's just chipping away at these guys. And then to see him explode off the line, I, you know, the way that he was able to get to 
one of those penalties, I was shocked. I was for sure that thought they were going to run it back, that he left too early or that he wasn't on the line, but he was just ready to make those plays in those moments. And, yeah, it's just great to see that. And, again, that energy, uh, when you got it on your side, it's a great thing. It's horrible to play against. This game is a game of momentum. We saw it with the goal that France scored. It quickly became two, and Argentina were on their heels. That save that he made against Colomawani, it set the stage to build momentum for Argentina. There, there's a bit of doubt if you're a young player now because you think that's your chance gone. And mm -hmm. if you're France and you're going, you look at body language. In penalty kick shootouts, if I'm a goalkeeper, I always look at body language. And Emmy Martinez, just the mind games. That is first-class stuff from him. As you said, Ian, I love the bravado. Bring more of that. More goalkeepers should do that. But you got to talk the talk and walk the walk next to it. And this guy has done it. He's got the confidence, and his record shows for it, for France. When I look at the players who stepped up to take it, and I look at the likes of England with a player like Bakayo Saka, know these French players hopefully will not suffer the same repercussions of what happened post-game. But I think that this could be a recipe to make these young players stronger because late in the game, when you look at the age of this young French roster that was on the field, I just kept thinking, no matter what happens here today, yes, the best thing is for them to win the World Cup. The experience factor, the experience level, to know that they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Argentina with a bunch of young players, that is something that if Didier Deschamps or whoever takes over for France, they will have that in their back pocket to move forward to the next Euros or maybe a World Cup. I mean, I think it was inevitable as well that France would get to that stage with so many inexperienced players or relatively inexperienced players, given how cooked everyone was. I mean, look at Varane. Uh, you know, when Varane had to be subbed off, he'd literally given everything that he possibly could. I thought could he collapsed, did you? I thought he was. It, it, it was. I mean, you you could. I mean, you could hear in the French broadcast, uh, you know, that he was in excruciating pain. So I think so many players, uh, you know, dug deep, maybe deeper than they even thought was possible. Now, before I duck out, I've got a question for all of you guys because I don't know whether we consider this a master touch from Scaloni or if it's just the luck that Argentina needed for this. But sending Dybala on last minute of extra time you know that he's a penalty specialist he's barely featured at this world cup there's a lot of debate about whether you send on a penalty specialist cold into uh, a situation to take a penalty it's worked out for argentina here but you know was it was it a gamble that where he got lucky or uh, or is are we considering this uh, a master class from uh, scaloni i'll throw it to, to ian first but i'd love to hear everyone's thoughts I will say this. I, I thought that whatever he did, Scaloni, in this World Cup was a masterclass, full stop. I mean, I'm excited watching the trophy list right now. It's just, it's, it, I just feel like whatever he has done has been special. And it's not just this World Cup, it's also before the World Cup what he's done. Every decision that he's made, the way he's got this team playing, the way he's managed to keep the whole squad composed, recognizing that there were some big names on the bench waiting for a chance to play, waiting for a chance for, to play their role. And I think that was his role there, Dybala. I was a bit nervous, even though I know that he was uh, obviously the penalty kick taker. I was a bit nervous, but I mean, this was just another uh, masterclass from Scaloni. Lucha, what do you think? Um, I heard uh, Emiliano uh, talking about that, uh, especially on penalties. And, and no, it wasn't just on penalty. It was about the strikers and players who can be near the, the box. And what he said is that in these kind of moments, you cannot work on what they've done before because it's a totally different moment, situation, experience, atmosphere. So you need to feel your gut, what, what really uh, you can see or you can uh, read uh, the moment of, uh, of running, uh, getting closer to the, uh, to the ball. That's something on the on the um, 
on the uh, keeper. But definitely that specialist uh, helped them to understand what the players are uh, doing when they are into the box. When they face the keeper, if it's a left-footed, if it's going to go down or higher, or the, normally they try to stop the ball. If you go face-to-face -face against Mbele, you know that at some point he can stop the ball or go with the left or go with the right. So that specialist helped him to, to understand this kind of situation. If you go 1v1, one one, so I'm not going to tell you that that last save can say can can be uh, in this category because it's uh, the last minute then it's uh, totally different but definitely it helps because at the end it's something that you work you pre preview before the game you know and your body's getting ready that they, 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 we call it uh, muscle memory and it's true that if you are aware about this kind of situation you can be quicker in the reaction when, when you have to face them so I think that that helped uh, I don't know if to to to, uh, to to make them go and get their trophy but definitely that's another add that Scaloni have brought to this World Cup JJ, we're going to let you go here. I know you've got a busy evening, but we thank you very much for jumping in. I know it's unfortunate that France did not win this one, but you're also very happy for Messi and, of course, uh, Argentina getting it done. Hey, France might not have won, but I think all of us as football fans won today. There's no way that yeah. anyone can really go home uh, disappointed after you know such an absorbing game. I've, I feel tired just having watched it from my sofa. <laughs> Honestly, the the emotional ringer that you get put through with uh, you know that kind of absorbing encounter, there's not there's nothing like it. I really don't think in my lifetime that I've seen mm. such an entertaining World Cup and it's been an absolute pleasure to share it with you guys. Yeah, great job from you as always, JJ. We appreciate you, man. So make sure you have a good night tonight. Thank you as always, brother. All right, let's move on. Uh, golden ball, golden boot, golden glove has just been awarded here. Young player as well, also involved. Um, let's talk about the uh, golden ball, which was awarded to Messi here. Uh, Michael, I'll come to you first, obviously, on this yeah. one. You know, is, is it finally over now, this debate? Because, I mean, we start to talk about the greatest of all time, which I absolutely hate. I hate this debate more than anything else. I just admire great <laughs> players full stop. And um, to see Lionel Messi lift the trophy, that was just admiration as far as I'm concerned. That's all I needed to see, just to see Lionel Messi, because as far as I'm concerned, he is, in my opinion, the greatest to ever have played this game. And yeah. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. I care about what I think. And I love the beautiful game for beautiful moments, for big moments, and for players who manage to win. And Lionel Messi finally got his hands on that trophy here. It was a great moment for him individually and a great moment for his nation. He now goes down as probably up there with Diego. Yeah, he is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. What a difference a year makes. A year ago or a year and a half ago, today, Copa America, he finally did it. He finally got across the line. And to think, the World Cup, I mean, the debate is cemented. And if you look at the, the talking leaders on the field and not off the field, you look at the talking that his counterpart, Cristiano Ronaldo, has been doing off the field and not enough on the field. I think that magnifies his greatness that much more. But it, it comes at the twilight end of his career. And this guy is playing like he could still play another three, four years. I mean, he single-handedly put this Argentine team on his back and took them the distance. And it, it really motivated and inspired this next generation of ballers. I think of the likes of Enzo Fernandez, rightfully so, young player of the tournament. I thought uh, Julian Alvarez was a worthy shout as well with the goals and performances he had. But you look at the supporting cast, Alexis McAllister. These are young players who they will benefit from the bit of gold dust that Messi has and will implement on this team moving forward. Yeah, and the other thing that I would say about about why why I think this cements it is not because he finally got this. It's because the amount of times that he didn't get it. Hmm. The amount of times he's lost the trophy and the amount of times that he's had to claw and climb with a completely different roster, a different squad through multiple generations to get to this type of moment and then be able to convert. 
And at all those points along the way, he's been the go-to guy. And he doesn't hide. He doesn't shy away. He's not looking to have to make the big moment. He's consistently uh, playing a role and having an impact on the matches. His role uh, uh, has evolved in, t- in terms of being uh, much more efficient in terms of when he runs and when he walks. But there's no, at least again, in my opinion, uh, debating or arguing at this point just because of the amount of adversity and things he's had to go through. The amount of times that he's had to lose and be told that's going to be what separates him from Ronaldo from others in history is that he can't convert on this level. Yes, Ronaldo has a completely different national team. It makes it a very hard debate in a lot of levels. But for Messi to go to fail so many times at the national team, yes, he finally got the the Copa America, but to keep on going. And then with this team losing in uh, the opener and then to be able to claw his way back into it. I think, what was it, under under 10% of teams that lose their opener uh, end up getting out of the knockout rounds, let alone going on mm-hmm. to win a final. It's it's it's, it's spectacular. I mean, we're going to mm-hmm. find out tomorrow the, the the amount of statistics and records and all mm-hmm. these things that he's done, and that's what puts him into uh, a category of his own. Yeah, definitely. At the end, uh, I understand that um, that way you've tried to compare them between Maradona or Pelé or Cristiano. It doesn't matter. And probably the ones that they thought that it was a goal before this game they will continue thinking like this. And the ones that they didn't, they will continue like this. I think that the, lifting that, that trophy is just to make feel that at least no one can say, listen, you cannot be. At least consider the best uh, player in the history or one of the best players in the history. You will like Mopele or Maradona or Cristiano Ronaldo or Cruyff or Zidane. It doesn't matter at the end. I think that for the ones I, I've always talked about him as a, as um as the best player of the history at least because I cannot I don't like to compare I enjoy when I see clips of uh, of Maradona I enjoy when I see clips of Cristiano Ronaldo I enjoy when I, when I see players doing well at home uh, on the field and when I see Lionel Messi doing for 15 years that's something that for me is just uh, quite special to do this when he's 35 he's just from another world and uh, if you start like uh, you're saying he's a uh, Checking all the stats is just uh, unbelievable. So um, I'm 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 just happy for him because in Argentina people were always talking about yeah, but uh, yes, but the World Cup and now finally he's got it. So there's no way no one can say at least you are considered the best player of the history. Yeah, and one last thing for me, uh, having gone to Argentina matches at the at this World Cup, uh, when I looked in there, yes, there was a large contingency of Argentinian fans, but I was in a stadium of ninety thousand. And most people were not speaking Spanish. They were not from Argentina, but they were wearing a Messi jersey. They were wearing blue and white. And that tells the entire story, I think, of the way that he's uh, inspired a generation. You can go on and on about the debate of who's better from different generations and things like that. But to watch a 90,000-seat stadium with people all around the world, and I'm talking about literally all around the world, finding a way to get a Messi shirt or finding a way to wear blue and white or finding a way to wear a T-shirt that says Messi on it just tells the story of what, what he means to so many people everywhere that aren't even Argentinian. David Adams says Pele is still the goat here. Michigan Reality says Messi. We got a great one from Pietro Chiarro. He says Maradona will always be the number one. People need to rewatch the master at his craft. It was not a single person that won Argentina that World Cup. Come on, man. Give this team the respect that they deserve. And I feel like in House of Champions, we've absolutely given the respect to this Argentinian side and also Scaloni for getting the job done here. Now, what I will say this is I have grown up and we all have pretty much grown up with our fathers and our grandfathers telling us oh but only if you were old enough to have mm. watched Pele in his time 
George Best in his time, Maradona in his time. Well, fuck that. We just got to watch <laughs> Lionel Messi in his prime and Kylian Mbappe in his prime at a World Cup and possibly the greatest game that we have ever witnessed. That was simply sensational. So congratulations to Mbappe for winning the Golden Boot and taking a plus 1,000 bet that I had on Messi Ooh. to win the Golden Boot. Thank you, Kylian. I will take that loss because you are one of the greatest <laughs> to ever have played this game. And congratulations to Messi for winning the Golden Ball for a simply outstanding performance throughout this tournament and getting your nation to lift up a trophy. We appreciate you, as we do all of our followers out there as well. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Real quickly, before we get out of here, guys, I want to let you go and enjoy the moment because the World Cup trophy has just been lifted and this is just a magnificent occasion. You should be going out there and enjoying a drink or two to enjoy this great game that we have witnessed. There was a third-place game that took place yesterday. Croatia won that game by two goals to one. Uh, Gvardio got the opening goal seven minutes in. Dari equalized two minutes later and Mislav Orsic scored on the 42nd minute mark to make it 2-1. Uh, Morocco's two defeats in the World Cup came in the matches where they had the highest percentage of possession in the ball. They played well in their knockout games, but just couldn't get the job done. Uh, Michael, you watched the game, obviously. Uh, this actually meant something to Croatia because there was a big celebration back home for them after winning this. Yeah, it was a swan song for a generation and really their captain, uh, Luka Modric, sending him off in style. I, I think the experience and the class and possession of Croatia outlasted the hustle and bustle of Morocco in the end. That Orsic goal, holy moly. It looked like a FIFA goal or PS, is it PSE, whichever system you play, whichever network you're on. It looked like a video game goal. First time hit, opens up his body into the top corner. And I think Croatia were worthy winners, but the biggest winner in the long run, I think, will be the continent of Africa. Morocco, what they've done, they represent something much bigger than just a third-place match. So congrats to both teams on a heck of a tournament run. HP. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, it was, a, again, the storyline of Guardiol being sort of the talk of the town after being beaten three times in one play against Messi and sort of, you know, the jokes that were made about him, the memes. He was sort of the, the even though he's one of the, he's, he, and I, I truly believe this, one of the best uh, center halves in this entire tournament. And, and will be remembered as such to be able to bounce back and score a goal, I think is incredible. And then just felt like, you know, Morocco were, went just one match too far in terms of injuries, in terms of fatigue, in terms of the passion and fight that they had. There's only so much that the body can physically give, and they just didn't have the ability to. That It was almost like towards the end of the game, they were just hoping and praying for a penalty, somebody to get kicked, somebody to get knocked, sort of playing some of the dark arts in that game, but overall another spectacular match and one that uh, even though people say they don't seem to care uh, about these uh, drew a lot of eyeballs and drew a lot of attention and two teams that I think is exactly who you want in a match like that. than then uh, you know, some team that was a favorite to reach the final only to fall short. This was two teams that I think weren't expected to be at that point. So it made it even, even more special and for Morocco to finish fourth. Great for Croatia to finish third. Also unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the point about uh, Croatia getting that third, I thought that he is well-deserved. A lot of quality and talent on that team that it wasn't enough because probably uh, in the last there they were missing some stuff. But definitely for Morocco, I think when you have had a plan that has been working, why you change it? Why you just try to uh, face something that maybe you don't have? I think that they were brilliant, uh, being very disciplined, hardworking, um, consistent at the back and well, allowing the, the players up front just to make it uh, get that chances. 
why change that? One trying to show that apart from defending well and being disciplined, you can also have the ball and have the the, the ability to have the possession. So I think that they will miss that one. We all love it. I think it has been one of the most exciting teams to 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 watch at least uh, way understanding and analyzing football. And um, I think that they miss that, that uh, when you arrive to the last stage of this tournament, what is the best of the best of the best, you need to to have so or a plan that it was going to work 100% or at least try to see what you have done uh, to arrive there. If you change it, maybe when you want to get back what you were doing well, it's going to be a little bit too late. But well done. I think it's a, an amazing record what they have done, historic. And well, we'll see them in the next, uh, in the next World Cup. Can I also just give a huge shout out to all our new followers and listeners and subscribers from Morocco and Croatia here on House of Champions. Um, I mean, the numbers have been absolutely huge on our shows and on our clips that we've been putting out on social media. And we can't thank you all enough for joining the show and, and really creating this show, especially throughout the World Cup, because World Cup is about creating stories and creating magic. And it's about the fans more than anything else, not necessarily about superstars and big moments. It's about the fans and these entertainment moments we have certainly enjoyed throughout this World Cup so we can't thank our new followers and listeners from all across the world who have jumped on board with us that's it another World Cup is in the book um, again I go back to it we can't thank everybody enough for really joining the show across um, obviously House of Champions or in Soccer We Trust with the US Men's National Team run um, it's been awesome to have you aboard all the comments all the people who have been sharing their opinions their thoughts and uh, really joining in the fun that we have had I am absolutely freaking knackered, man. And I cannot <laughs> wait to go on vacation. When you look back, last question to all of you boys. I'll start with you, Mike. When you look back at this World Cup, it was a controversial one in Qatar. We're playing in the winter. Christmas is next week. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Um, but this will go down as one of the best World Cups we have ever witnessed. I think we all have been given an early Christmas gift. And <laughs> we sang Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, and those of our viewers who celebrate Christmas. But this is the World Cup of Ages, and it was put in an arena, put in a part of the world that's never been done before. There's a lot of controversy coming in. But at the end of the day, the football. The football did the talking on the pitch, and we were all rewarded for that. Yeah, I think there's nothing more for me to really add on that. Obviously, the product on the field won out, the the passion from the fans, the national teams, all of those things were what, what, what sets this thing apart and, and helps us distract us from our day-to-day -day lives and get involved in supporting something. Again, I had no stakes in this final, but it felt like it. I was nervous from start to finish. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, being able to be captured or 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 swept away for for a couple hours to enjoy something at that level is just uh, again, that from uh, start to finish of, of this tournament has been spectacular. It's been amazing. A lot of emotion, roller coaster uh, from the day one to the last one. We have a fantastic game, fantastic players, players coming on, new players, uh, players that we have to say goodbye probably from the World Cup. Big players who we are not going to see them again on a World Cup, but it's been a lot of emotion. And at the end, I think that fairy tale that has been coming for the past four years. Uh, comes to an end in a beautiful way that is on the, the ice on the cave with Lionel Messi lifting the trophy. Yeah, I think it's just fantastic just to see that fairy tale coming uh, true. And well, I enjoy it so much. I had so much fun, so much fun with you guys analyzing every single time uh, the surprises, the knockouts, the, the good days and bad days of Spain, of course. <laughs> so it's been amazing and definitely it's been one of the best ones that, that I, I have the chance of watching. 
Hey, Lucho, you know where 2026 is, right? Any chance we can get you USA, stateside for that one? Oh, USA, looking forward to that one. Yes. Gonna be yeah, <laughs> baby. Hey, in soccer, we trust is going to blow up between now and then. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch it. All right. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to House of Champions and in soccer, we trust. Please make sure you take a minute and leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, where else you listen to podcasts. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Tune in again tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern as I get fired into the great Fabrizio Romano. We pick his brain for the latest intel ahead of what promises to be an incredibly busy January transfer window. And also a reminder, Heath will be back with Charlie Davies tomorrow at 1 p.m. Easter for Ain Soccer We Trust. I want to say a big thank you to everybody out there for joining our show throughout this World Cup. It's been a real pleasure, a real honor. We've seen record numbers and uh, we can't thank you and all enough for that across In Soccer We Trust and House of Champions. Spread the word, leave a review. We appreciate you. Enjoy, everybody. This has been one of the best moments in the best ever World Cup final I think any of us have ever seen. We'll see you next time. CBS Sunday, after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.